Welcome to Courtside, everyone, a discussion of the post-election litigation brought by Donald Trump. It's day 56 after the election. Yes, that's right. Eight weeks ago, we had this election. And just about eight weeks ago, we know who won. The litigation count stands at one out of 60 cases that Donald Trump has won. Put differently, 59 different courts across the country have rejected his ludicrous claims of election fraud. And it's not just courts. The FBI has rejected it. Former Attorney General for Trump, Bill Barr, has rejected it. Even Mitch McConnell has rejected it. But Trump, like a sore loser, continues on. And his new hope is that Vice President Pence somehow will rule for him on January 6th. This has about as much chance of happening as President Trump nominating Merrick Garland and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez to the United States Supreme Court in the next two weeks. I explained this in detail in the New York Times today in an op-ed, and I'm going to do some summarizing here, but I'm also going to add some Katyal color because color isn't really, uh, you know, what the New York Timesy kind of style is. So here we go. First of all, there are two different texts that you have to understand. One is the 12th Amendment and the other is the Electoral Count Act of 1887. And together, what they do is they give the vice president what we lawyers call a ministerial role. That means a ceremonial role. That's a role, a role particularly suited to this vice president who seems incapable of having an actual independent thought or frankly, any real connection of neurons. Uh, but, you know, basically what the Electoral Count Act says is that on a certain day uh, this year on January 6th, the vice president is to be, quote, the presiding officer over the counting of the votes. What that means is that he's there to preserve order and decorum. He's supposed to open the ballot envelopes, according to the law, provide those results to a group of tellers, call for any objections by members of Congress, and then announce the results of any votes on those objections, and ultimately to announce the result of the presidential vote. The 12th Amendment's language is very similar to this. It says that the vice president, quote, shall open the electoral votes, but then it uses the passive voice to say those votes, quote, shall then be counted. There's nothing in the 12th Amendment or in the Electoral Count Act, which means that the vice president gets to count votes using Pence arithmetic, Scary thought of what that might be. So what Trump is suggesting and this crazy lawsuit yesterday that we talked about for a moment is that the vice president, because he gets to open the envelopes, he gets to count the votes in whatever way he sees fit. That is like the most absurd thing I can imagine. I mean, that's like the guy at the Oscars who opens the envelope. I don't think that person gets to decide who wins, you know, best actor or something like that or best film. Sorry, La La Land. Um, and here, this, we're talking about the movies. We're talking about democracy. We fought a war about this, a war against perpetual monarchs. And the Republicans, like Trump and his minions, are literally saying that the power to decide the next president and vice president isn't in the hands of you and me and the other 320 million Americans. It's in the hands of the current vice president. I mean, as I said yesterday, even Putin couldn't come up with something like that. Do you really think the founders would have given the power to select our president to the in the next to select the current to select the next vice president to the current vice president? It's beyond a historical. 
Could you imagine our founders saying after they fought and spilled all this blood against the perpetual monarch, King George III, they would have said, yeah, this election stuff, not so much. Vice president, you get to decide. Whatever you want is cool. What nonsense. I mean, I bet Al Gore is kicking himself for getting about that part of the Constitution that would have allowed him to just declare himself the winner in 2000. Great leadership is about giving up power, not taking it. It's really easy to take power. That's what every dictator and despot does. But the end of the New York Times article is about this point, that great leaders like George Washington part with power. In the op-ed, we tell the story of the artist Benjamin West. And King George asked West what General Washington is going to do after the Revolutionary War. And West told the king that Washington was going to go back to farming. And King George then said words to the effect of this, quote, if he does that, he'll be the greatest man in the world. And of course, we all know from either school or from Hamilton, the story of George Washington giving up the presidency after his two terms. We have the exact opposite example, a terrible example in Donald Trump, who has no leadership abilities whatsoever. He's just a national crybaby. But we also have, sadly, a terrible example in leadership in our vice president, Mike Pence. He's fomenting this election nonsense. He's been trying to avoid Trump's wrath. And, you know, notably, he's succeeded. He's the one guy that Donald Trump hasn't criticized after the election. He's criticized the FBI, Barr, McConnell, all those people. But he hasn't criticized Mike Pence. And notably, Vice President Pence hasn't even congratulated our first female vice president, our first African-American vice president, our first Asian-American vice president, hasn't even bothered to do anything like that. That's because he's trying to play both sides. And this is a spineless guy. And I don't know what he's going to do on January 6th, but it is maybe a little bit of comfort that the guy is spineless. And remember, on January 6th, when he's opening up those envelopes, there's going to be someone sitting in that room, and her name is Kamala Harris. And after the way the vice presidential debate went, do we really think Pence is going to try anything with Kamala Harris in the room? Even if Pence does the right thing on January 6th, his actions up until this point condemn him in the eyes of history. Remember, well by this point in 2000 with Gore, which lasted 36 days, we knew where Gore stood. Um, but Pence has notably been feeding the fan, fueling the flames of this election fraud controversy, which nobody in their right mind believes besides, you know, Sidney Powell and people like that. And I understand Pence is uncomfortable. He probably hasn't been this uncomfortable since the doctor told him he had to wear short sleeves to get the vaccine. But, you know, we elect a vice president to actually represent us and to preserve our most foundational ideas. And democracy is chief among them. We have a vice president now who essentially doesn't believe in democracy. And even if he does the right thing on January 6th because he has no other legal recourse, if he could have gotten away with it, he would have. That's not a leader. That's not a vice president. That's frankly not even an American. Well, that's it for tonight's Courtside. Stay tomorrow for more Cray. I'll see you then.